The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Now, my next guest, it's a real thrill to talk to Shane O'Mara. Now, Shane, we've known each other for donkey's years. Let's get let's get that out in, out in the open immediately. But I'm delighted you've agreed to come on my, my show here today. And we're going to talk about your new book, which I read over the last two days. And I must say, I think it's fantastic. And I'm not just saying that, by the way. So well done on it. It's called Talking Heads. And we're going to have a good chat about it. We could talk for hours is the risk. But we've only got about 10 minutes, I guess. So Shane, t- first of all, tell us what, what's the book about and why did you write it? Hiya, Luke. It's uh, great to be uh, talking to you uh, like this, unlike our, our usual meetings. Um, so why did I write this book? What I, what I originally set out to do was to tell the story of human autobiographical memory. And uh, as I was writing the book, I realised that actually the story that I was telling and the story that I had started to tell were two different things. And this is because uh, I'd come to the conclusion that the way we'd been thinking about human memory was in fact all wrong. Um, that uh, we think about memory as something towards the rear, something that we used uh, to think about our past lives. But actually that turns out not to be true. Uh, we spend most of our time thinking about the present and the future and we use memory to infuse our thoughts about our our lives and our present lives. But we do it in a social context. And uh, it turns out uh, that the brain regions that are concerned with memory are also the same brain regions concerned with imagination, and they're the same brain regions that are concerned with future thinking. So the brain bundles these together, and this is something that I, I thought really was an exciting story, and we needed to tell. Fantastic. Yeah, but of course, the thing that strikes me is it's all about our hyper-social nature, isn't it? And of course, we've evolved to be this way, haven't we? Do you think Neanderthals were good at conversation and got a gossip? That was one question that struck me, because we see them as a slightly more primitive version of us, don't we? Yeah, so they, I, I, I don't know is the honest answer. Um, they certainly had vocal tracks that showed that they could vocalise. And they were certainly capable of signs, gestures, um, and they were also capable at least of some form of, of symbolic reasoning because there were rituals associated with the burial of their dead. They would bury uh, Neanderth- or, you know, somebody who died, they would bury them with uh, various symbols and other things. And of course, we freely intri- reproduced with Neanderthals. Yep. We all carry a little bit of Neanderthal DNA around. So um, who knows? Who is knows? The, the honest answer, but possibly. Yeah, but it seems to be unique to us, doesn't it, Shane? I mean, we're, we are hyper-social of all life on Earth, humans, let's face it. We never shut up talking to each other, do we, in a sense? So, so no, I presume no, one, one of your key messages is we're talking all the time to each other, and it's a key distinguishing feature of Homo sapiens as a species. Absolutely. And I, I think we occupy what you might call a cognitive sweet spot. You know, if you if you look, I contrast uh, the example of the chimpanzee, um, who are uh, very social, but hyper aggressive. Um, you know, the average chimpanzee skeleton will have bite marks on it. Uh, they fight each other all the time. They, uh, uh, they're about 30 times as aggressive toward each other physically as humans are. Uh, and orangutans, who uh, hardly ever meet up at all, they're very asocial. Uh, they only meet up really for the purposes of reproduction. Whereas we humans rub along together in yeah. the most amazing way all the time. And Tokyo is a great example of that. 40 million people living in this astonishing city. 
How do we do it? It's because of this hyper-social nature. And, and the constant chatting and conversations that we're having yeah. is the essence of it. And then I hate to talk about the pandemic, but I can't resist it. You do mention it a few times, although towards the end you say you're avoiding mentioning the pandemic too much. But, but one sentence struck me. You talk about conversations with the corrosively conspiracy-minded are impossible to navigate, right? In other words, there's difficulties, isn't there, around conversations as well. What's, what's going on there, Shane? Why, why do some people have certain conversations and it might be around conspiracy theories and all that kind of thing? What's happening there? do you think? Well, I think what goes on is that people adopt a certain kind of identity lens to view the world and they have a certain network of social relations. And one of the things that happens in life right from the get-go is that we learn to trust in others. Um, we, you know, if, if our parents say, don't eat those yellow berries, they'll poison you. We take their, them at their word, even though we're pretty sure our parents aren't toxicologists uh, who've gone off and yeah. tested uh, the yellow berries. So we, we trust in what each other says. And uh, in a very large regard, uh, I think what happens is people adopt... Uh, norms from the people that they are talking to and they learn from the people that they are talking to. And, uh, you know, one of the jobs that you have or we have as scientists, which is kind of hard, is we present our data at conferences and we're severely tested all the time. So we get used to a kind of discourse where uh, we're beaten over the head for the latest thing that we say. And we're not trying to curry favour with each other. We're trying to discover something new about the world. So it's a very different way of behaving. Engineers are the same in in that sense. You know, you, you can't design train tracks uh, that are empirically unmoored. You have to know something about weight. You have to know something about alloys. You have to know something. And you will be tested. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and the conspiracy theorists go into a different frame of mind. They're, they're a different group, are they, basically? And they're listening to each other. I, I think, in essence, that's it. it, it the reference group, uh, the episteme in which they depend for their knowledge, yeah. is different to the group. Uh, and there's rewards from that, you know, their yeah. status and all sorts of other things that come from being in that group. Right. What also struck me is you make the case conversation is a real skill, isn't it, Shane? You can learn it, can you? And you can learn how to do it. You talk about things like rapport, for instance, which I found very interesting. You also talk about investigative interviewing. In other words, we can learn a lot, can't we, about how to have a good conversation with someone to get information or to exchange information. So it is a real skill, isn't it? It is. And, and in fact, I, I think the funny thing is that because we're so good at, at talking to each other, we think we don't have anything to learn. But actually, a key part of talking to other people is listening. And uh, that's a real skill. And the idea behind rapport is to engage in kind of active, attentive, respectful listening. So, you know, when you're talking to people, uh, especially people who might have a different worldview to you, one of the really important things to do, and I, I, I have difficulty with this myself, I must be honest, is not to jump in and say, no, that's wrong. You have to try and hear where they're coming from. Um, and that's a very, very hard thing to do. But you can learn it. And uh, engaging in that kind of respectful conversation is a way I think we can move forward as a, as a society. Right. I also read how if we talk about ourselves in a conversation, which you and I never do, we never talk about ourselves. You know? <laughs> but a reward, a reward sensation is triggered in your brain by talking about yourself. Now that struck me as fascinating. That must mean yeah, it's, it's so a good thing. It's a good thing. To this kind of idea, you know, if you hang around humans at all, you discover that humans like talking and we like talking about ourselves. And it turns out, actually, if you listen in to people in the wild, out in coffee shops or in the bars or, or whatever, uh, about 40% of what we say to each other is stuff about ourselves. We, we reveal ourselves to each other. 
And this is a kind of an important part of the trust that goes along uh, in terms of building relations. And it turns out if you pop people in a brain scanner and uh, you measure activity in the brain's reward system, when they're telling you stuff about themselves, you know, their first day at school, that kind of thing, against stuff about, you know, well-known popular figures, you get this big spike in activity in uh, the brain's reward system when you're talking about yourself. So a good way to build rapport is to give people the chance to speak about themselves. Is that why we enjoy teaching, Shane? That struck me as well. In other words, when you give a lecture, you, you get a kick out of it, don't you? And that must be because you're I, sharing I, knowledge with people. And we, again, as a species, we evolved to it, share knowledge, didn't you're, we? You're doing something else as well, I think. You're there as the central speaker in the room. You're sharing knowledge with those people in the room. And uh, you're kind of tapping into this kind of almost primeval uh, quality where everybody's paced by what you're saying. They're all synchronized together. You make a, maybe a bad joke and they laugh along with you anyway. Everybody's kind of uh, engaged in the same behavior at the same time. Right. And there's a kind of a dissolution of self and other in that kind of context. Right. What struck me, I've learned stuff as well, Shane. Thank you for informing me. Lots of very interesting facts here. And by the way, it's a very erudite book. You, you, you quote loads of experts, loads of experiments, giving us the data which we need. But I hadn't realised with Alzheimer's, memory loss is the key feature. But people can't imagine the future either. Isn't that right? So in other words, if you have yeah. a memory problem, you've been robbed of your memories, but you still can't imagine what's going to happen in a week or two weeks time. That really struck me as interesting. Yeah, so yeah, this kind of, I think, really important concept about memory that I've been saying, you know, we think of it as, as rearward facing, but actually humans, probably, possibly uniquely, uh, are able to engage in what's called mental time travel. We can imagine ourselves in the future, you know, and you can think of extreme examples when you're age 20 and you're thinking about your pension when you're age 70, something that's half a century away. Um, but we can do this. We can move into the future and we can fly backwards into the past and recenter ourselves in the present. And uh, this capacity is lost when you have damage to the hippocampal formation, uh, which is one of the really central parts of the brain concerned with, with memory. And uh, you end up living in this kind of perpetual uh, or permanent present tense. Your life becomes kind of episodic and your ability to imagine the future uh, is blunted and right. really blunted terribly. It is. And then the last thing to ask you is all about gossip. I've got to ask you very quickly. Uh, we're a species that loves the gossip, right? And gossip is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, gossip actually gets a bad press and it shouldn't because, uh, God, uh, you know, we think of malign gossip, people telling lies about each other. But actually, most gossip isn't like that. You know, you, you imagine yourself going to work in a new company or you're, you go, you find yourself at a, at a new club or whatever. You want to find out who's up, who's down, who can get things done, who can't. Who's a nice person? Who's somebody you can trust? Who's somebody you can't? What do you do? You ask somebody else and they'll tell you. Uh, So this is how we actually navigate our worlds. And it it turns out uh, it's a feature of complex societies. Um, Simple tribal societies don't have much by way of gossip, but complicated societies like like ours uh, there's lots of gossip lots happening of gossip all happening. the time. Good stuff. Good, good. You, you and I often gossip. I mean, we have, don't we? <laughs> but Shane, thank you, <laughs> thank you ever so much. That was fantastic. And the book, of course, Talking Heads: The New Science of How Conversation Shapes Our World by Shane O'Mara, Professor of Experimental Brain Research at Trinity College Dublin. Shane, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Luke. That was great. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.